welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. Good to have you with us today. We are glad to be here. It's myself, Dan Fellers. We've got Ali with us, Ali Alosa and Camille Park, both back with us again. We are glad to be with you. And Built on Air is a weekly podcast. We do it live and we do four different segments and it's a lot of fun. And uh, we learn a lot about Airtable and everything that's going on. We always like to start our show going through the different communities on what we call Round the Bases, where we'll learn about what's going on, what people are talking about and see what we can learn from the different uh, amazing communities in the Airtable world. So with that, let's always begin with the Airtable uh, universe and Airtable's community. One of the big announcements, I know, I think I learned this from Camille. So you were one of the first to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see it from the announcement or did you notice it in the app? Eagle Eye. Nice. <laughs> they announced it like 10 minutes though after I had seen it. So I think it was one of those updates that they were pushing to certain users at a certain time. So I think I just got luck of the draw that I was one of the first people to see it before the announcement. So you want to explain what it is? Sure. So before there were triggers for Airtable native automations for when a record was created and something that I know a lot of people were hoping for was uh, something that would help with identifying which form somebody submitted a record through because you might have different questions if you're doing A-B testing, for instance, um, or if you have forms for, you know, depending on the, the position in a process, et cetera, et cetera. And before you really had to finagle your way into um, having an Airtable record remember which form it took, you actually had a field that would say, completed with form A, completed with form B. But now there's a new automation um, trigger that lets you just specify, only run this automation if form A was the origin point for that record. So it's pretty useful, um, I think, and it solves you know, a problem people had to solve with having an extra field that they don't really need. Yeah. Yeah, very useful. 
um, and just being able to separate, you know, where entries come from. Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, Scott pointed out, um, you know, if there was a way to be able to um, embed some kind of source ID or something, so mm -hmm. you have to, you know, a hidden field would be, would be the uh, next level to, to be able to do that. So, so very good. Um, and there's another question that's kind of semi-related to this about, about dealing with, with new data. So anyways, if you're using forms and you need a trigger to automate to run once a, a form is submitted, you now have a trigger for that. So that's very useful. So that was one of the announcements this week from uh, Airtable. So let's go on to the next one. I think uh, Camille, you were in on this one as well. So this one kind of ran out to me because it's kind of annoying. Like I, I, I wish there was a way. Um, so basically the question is, can you run a custom app or I would include a script in this discussion as well that could run in the background without opening up the sidebar. So like if you click on a button or something um, and it looks like Camille answered this saying there's no way to click a button and um, run in the background, right? Yeah, um, apps, including the scripting app, rely on being having an active interface. So if you're app is on dashboard B, but only dashboard A is showing, it's as if dashboard B doesn't exist. Um, and if the sidebar is closed, it's, it's as though none of your apps exist until they're activated either by opening up the dashboard or clicking a button to activate the app. And um, I think this particular user was uh, frustrated by if you have an, a record expanded and you click a button that activates an app, uh, the app will open up in full screen instead of opening up the sidebar. Uh, so there's a little bit of user experience, you know, issues that they were having with that. And I believe, I believe the only solution you really have is forcing the app out of full screen after it's hit full screen. So there's no way to get around it automatically opening up in full screen, but you can force an app to not be full screen. So not ideal, but somewhat possible to deal with what this user was asking. Yeah. Yeah, I know on the on the scripting side, it would be really nice if you could just run scripts in the background without without opening up the sidebar. Yeah, the, the closest you, you'd get is instead of having a button, you'd have like a checkbox field and that checkbox would control an automation, but you only have... Right. You only have so many automations, so yeah. you have unlimited script runs, I think. Uh, but you know, if you're if you have few enough that you can make do with a um, with using an automation, then that's one option. Again, not ideal. Yeah, yeah. The other annoying thing, Camille, you may have come across this in if you're if you're a, a app developer. Um, I've noticed this in working with our app. If you're in full screen mode and you use the cursor to switch the location of Airtable, it'll automatically force the app to uh, minimize or to go to the sidebar so that you can see where it moved to in the Airtable space. 
Yeah. And their and their documentation says that it should stay in full screen mode, but it doesn't. So there's either a bug with the software or their documentation doesn't match it. But that was a, a little caveat that we ran into. So it looks like um, Justin also jumping in and helping out there. Okay, next one, what do we got? Yeah, so this was similar to the, the other one. Um, I know a lot of people run into this. So, so basically when you set a trigger for an automation to when a record is created, that will happen the instant that record is there. So if you're in a base and you click on the add record button, which by the way, this is fairly new, this add record button, which is a nice little addition. But anyways, that instant right there will trigger your automation. So before you even type in, you know, even the, the main field, it will trigger because that record has been created. Um, so that's, that's very frustrating for, I know I've run into that. Um, and, and looks like other people, Tommy's running into that. So Kavan, I think somewhere we should find, I think she has kind of best practices around trigger automations, but here's some, um, using when record meets condition. So I know she actually convinced me Kavan did to, to use when record meets condition more than when like record enters a view. So I know that's her go-to trigger um, that has a lot of advantages to it instead of using, you know, when a record's created or whatnot. Exactly. I, I often, I, I started using when record matches conditions, but then I usually also set up a view that matches those conditions. So that way I can watch and make sure that like, and, and if everything's working correctly, there should be nothing on any of my automation views. Yeah. Like, that's my, my best practice is I do an action and then I update the record to say, did the action so that way it doesn't rerun. Yep. yep. Yeah, that is one of the benefits of a view. Yeah, so you do it both. So if you're doing the view, mm -hmm. why not just use the view option <laughs> trigger? Because I don't trust a lot of like, if it's, in, if it's in a base that I'm sharing with other people, like I do everything I can to make it so that no one can edit those filters. But even myself, I often will like, I'll forget that I'm on a view <laughs> and I'll forget to unlock, like I'll lock it even, and then I'll unlock it and just yeah. do it. So it's like, I just have it, the automation has its own conditions yeah. and no one's gonna theoretically go in and mess with that. So I think it's more secure that way. Yeah. Yeah, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be nice if automations had a button similar to how you can copy one view's configuration to another. It'd be cool if you could copy one view's um, filters and have that be the conditions for an automation. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I wish you could. And if you could access the filters on a view, like through the metadata, that would be incredible too. Like, Don't, don't get me started on metadata. <laughs> I'm, I'm opening up a whole can of worms. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's, um, useful. Yeah. You still have it in sync. Um, but it, there is that advantage to, to seeing the view. So, you know, which records still need to be processed by the automation. It's also good. I've been getting errors where automations time out and by having a view, you can see, okay, these two didn't run. And so it makes it easier to troubleshoot. Exactly. 
There we go, Ash. Ash is joining us and <clears throat> likes your. Uh... Yep. <laughs> but, yep. I think I speak for many. It, it would be nice if we had access uh, to some more metadata. Scripting is okay. I think the scripting environment gives you just enough metadata to give you most of what you need. But um, if you're working with the REST API, it's it's uh, limited. Yes. Yes. Very true. <clears throat> All right, next one. What do we got here? <laughs> this one, this one I thought was interesting. Uh, so what happened was uh, this person signed up for Airtable, and as you know, if you sign up the first time, Airtable gives you a collection of bases as templates, as starting points. And this person was very confused by this because they didn't create all this data and they thought they were maybe getting somebody else's data or something. And the reason I thought it was interesting, I didn't realize Camille, you responded as well. Yeah, um, I'm everywhere. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Just basically telling you, yeah, those are starting templates. But it was an interesting thought I had was, you know, Airtable does a pretty good job for new users. They have a lot of, you know, walkthrough tutorials the first time you create a new base. And I just saw the other day, they now, uh, I noticed like if you create a new, um, I can't remember how I saw it, but like there's a video over here now to explain like what a view is. And so you can tell they put a ton of time into the onboarding process. Um, but sometimes that can be a negative, right? Like in this case where that onboarding to try to give you a sense of what Airtable can do and what it looks like actually was like a hurdle for this person. So <laughs> trying to find that right balance of making it easy to engage with, but, but not confuse people I thought was interesting. I absolutely agree. I, I find a lot of people also get confused by the, the pop-up that comes up for a new user that's like, as soon as you make a linked record field and it's like add lookup fields, like as soon as you, I, I mean, I've disabled it, so I'm not used to it, but every time somebody sees that in my experience, they're like, what is this? I don't understand until they like are able to wrap their head around the concept. It kind of becomes more of a negative sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I know what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that's something that, you know, they do a lot of A-B testing and and whatnot to try to get that right. It's, you know, I'm at the point where every time I create a base, it's it's kind of, it's it's annoying to go through the, let me show you how to set up your base, you know, and you're like, I think I know by now, but that's all right. So... <clears throat> Any other, was there anything else anybody saw in the Airtable community worth worth pointing out? Uh, I'll be going over one question okay. that I had seen in detail later. Okay, very good. Let's move on. Let's see if these um, come up. So uh, this is the built-on air community in Slack. Um, lots of interesting conversations going on there. So the one that, that I thought was worth bringing up was um, talking about emails within automation. And there is actually, I don't know if we finalized what, what the right answer is. Um, so if you're, 
if you're in a free account, you can do automations. But I guess that what they said was the documentation says that you can only send to collaborator emails. My experience has been that you can still send external emails. And this is within using the, um, the Airtable email uh, action within the automations. Um, yeah, so, so they actually quoted on the free plan, you're limited to only emailing collaborators with verified emails. Um, but on the pro plan, you can send up to 100 each day. But I'm pretty sure I've sent uh, emails to people on the free on a free base. Either of you have experience with that? I recall um, I have a billion different bases set up to mock my answers to other people's questions. And I remember trying to set up an automation to like show, oh, here's how you would email somebody. And it wouldn't let me send an email to someone who wasn't a collaborator. Um, but I have heard other people say that they have been able to, on a non-pro workspace, email to outside email. So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a process in it and it is a hundred cause I've hit the hundred limit before on a, um, uh, and it, and it was a free plan. I'm almost positive. So, and this person, um, was sending via the free plan. And so they were just trying to figure out, um, you know, he says he's, he is able to send emails to non-collaborators. So I think their documentation is wrong. Um, and maybe someday the free plan, they'll, they'll restrict it, but I don't think it's restricted right now. Um, but, but there is the hundred email limit because I've, I've hit that limit before. All right. Next one. Let's get this one. Um, so this one I thought was interesting, you know, I wonder if, you know, some, at some point, uh, Airtable in their automations might, might be able to do this, but the ability is pretty standard. The ability to look for a record, um, and if it's there, update it. If it's not there, um, then, then create it right now. There really isn't a way to do that within Airtable automations, unless you write a script. And go back to our history, we actually did a scripting time where we actually implemented that within an automation script. So if you're looking for that solution, you can find that in our previous episodes. Um, but yeah, third-party tools. Uh, so Scott, you know, Integramat mentioned Integramat, I mentioned ours. Uh, Ontair can do that with a function. And Zapier, you can do that within Zapier as well. So probably at this point requires a third party if you're not if you're not um you know able to write a script or if you're on a free plan because you can't use scripting tasks within automations on the on the free basis so that might be another reason to look elsewhere you could probably finagle something but i don't think it would be worth the time like you could like find records and then create a new record with those results and if they're blank or if the, if the length is zero of the records found, then it creates it. But then it's like you're, you have a bunch of empty. Yeah, I was, think, I was thinking through what the script would be in my head. And it's easier if you don't use find record at all. You just do the right. entire thing within the script. Um, 
So, I mean, I feel like at some point I'd like to see some error handling put into automations, some uh, solutions. I think Google's answer to Airtable has branching automations or one of them, some competitor to Airtable has branching kind of if A, then do this path, if B, do this path. Mm -hmm. um, right now, all Airtable automations are linear. Mm -hmm. um, even if they were to stay linear, I would like some way of saying, you know, if nothing is found, then stop. Right. Or, or, yeah. or skip this step, not necessarily like throw an error. Right. Um, so like only continue if. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that would be interesting. So yeah, it'll be interesting where they where they take automations if they get if they try to get in that to that logical or they just say if you need that kind of logic then you got to do it in the scripting task. Right. So All right, let's move on to Reddit. A couple of questions on on Reddit's community. Um this one I thought would be maybe worth talking about um, you know, multiple lookup tables. So they have a base with uh, several tables. This looks like it's kind of a library. So you've got um, uh, books and journals and reports. And, um, and they all have an identical field and they want to be able to automatically um, go through the unique titles and show the corresponding locations. And I don't know that you could do that without a script. Um, yeah. I, f I feel like you, my, a solution that I think Kavan and I use all the time is, you know, taking if that one unique uh, field that they have title that's in all three of those tables. If you have an automation set up to every time the title changes, copy that into a link to another record uh, mm -hmm. field. Then you have just one table with every single title from all three uh, different tables. And then you have, you'd have a various different lookups because you'd have to have one lookup for table A, one lookup for table B, one lookup for table C, and then probably a formula to put value you know, from all three of those into just one field. So you can look at one thing at a time. Right. It's possible and you can do it without a script, but it's it's not gonna look pretty under the hood. And it does require that you use an automation to do it, or you just manually copy the value over. But then you have to remember to copy the value over. Yeah. Or if you do wanna use a script and less automations, you could have it scheduled out to run every morning, for instance, or every hour, and then have the script copy for each of the records that are found. I'm talking too much, but there's there's like you you can do it with an automation. There's yeah. a bunch of different ways. There's a yeah, there's a bunch of different ways. But I would my I would go with exactly what the first commenter here said. I would say you I would just put them all on the same table. I'd yeah. Move, yeah, I think that would be way less work in the long run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you know that's kind of a mind shift. I think like if you're coming from Excel or Google Sheets, you would maybe create different tabs because they're different. But the power of views is that th these are different, but they're similar. Mm -hmm. And you'd be better off as having a view for journals, a view for books and view for articles 
but having them all in one table. Yeah. So items in the same house. Yeah. Yep. Some things that we I think we're seeing a little bit more is uh, because there's tools like automations and scripting and custom apps and whatnot. Um, people are even more inclined to want to separate things out of different into different tables. And then invariably, you'll see questions of how do I get all this stuff from all these different tables into one table? And so the question I often ask is, why aren't they in one table to begin with? Right. right. You'd have an easier way uh, doing it the other way around. If you had to have them in different tables, start with everything in one table and push things out one way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you can now you can sync the view to a different table in a different yeah. base if you really want to have it separate. Yeah. 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 And I think that is because people come from the spreadsheet world where you likely would have put them on different sheets. But uh, yeah, got to utilize those views. So going back real quick to um, previous question about about the uh, scripting. Uh, Justin's joining us and talks about, you know, that Airtable has talked about branching automation. He's, he mentioned he noticed it on Twitter. Hmm. And um, so it's something that they're thinking about at Airtable and obviously haven't uh, put it out there yet, but maybe someday in the future. So thanks for that, Justin. Yeah, I, I imagine from... I don't know, a finance perspective. I don't know what you would call it. Airtable caps uh, based on what plan you're on, the number of automations you can run. And I'm sure they would be thinking through, well, if you have branching automations, does that make sense for us from a business perspective? If you could do everything within one automation, you know what I mean? Then that limit no longer makes sense. Um, it would surely be helpful for us users and then I'm, I'm sure they're thinking of like timeouts and how much logic you have to put in for branching things. So from a technical side, there's, I can see why it wasn't there initially, but I hope it's there soon because yeah. it is something that is very useful and probably should be there. Um, so you don't have to look through an endless series of automations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, next one on, on Reddit. This one doesn't have an answer. Maybe we could help them out. But, um, you know, they don't provide much. But I thought it was interesting. So my automation test fine, but doesn't run when turned on. Anybody guess why? I have a guess as to why this is, even with minimal yeah. information. I have a guess as well. Definitely. Right. <laughs> I believe... Um, I believe their their trigger is probably when record matches conditions and the records they're looking at already match the conditions before the automation was turned on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so when you run, when you test an automation, they keep track, you know, behind the scenes of which records got processed. And um, I, I can't remember who described it this way, but they kind of think what's happening under the hood is when you set up your filters within your trigger, it's almost like they create a virtual view of what records match that. And so once you test it, it will run through any that, that meet that criteria. And it's not going to trigger again on those same records unless they leave that view, meaning they no longer meet that criteria and then come back into the view, meaning they, they later in the future meet that. So. 
if you want the same record to run, if you're, you know, if you have a filter that's based on a checkbox, then you need to check it or uncheck it so that it changes its state. And then it can go back in um, when you have it running. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's something I've run into is like, okay, I'm ready to turn this on. But on the flip side, it's also good because when you're testing stuff, you typically don't want it to run for historical data. You only want it to run for, you know, new changes going forward. Um, so it's kind of a good thing. It's, you know, I think it's there for a good reason. Um, it's similar with Zapier. I, I've noticed that as well with Zapier. So, yeah. yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, um, so. But they only watch 200 records at a time. Last I knew. Uh, Airtable or Zapier? Zapier. Zapier. Yeah, I don't know. what I think Airtable probably run through all of them. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Let's go on to Facebook's community. Um, this one I thought was was an interesting question. So they it looks like they're they're moving from Google Forms, and they want the ability to um, fill out a form, print it to a PDF, but only the applicable entries within the form, send the PDF with the confirmation email to a customer who submitted the form, and BCC all members of the team with the form. Doable in Airtable? Yeah or nay? What do you think? Not natively. Not, <laughs> not, not 100%. Like, the yeah. yes. You could put it together, uh, yeah. but ease of use might not be worth it. As soon as they allow us to automate getting a PDF out of page designer, this would be super easy. Yeah. But that until that day, you got to use something else like a third party app or you could, you know, use HTML and send the email. Just have the that's sometimes my workaround is instead of having a PDF, it's just the body of the email becomes the report. You know, that's easy to just spit out. But yeah, so you could do the email parsed portion easily with an automation. The the PDF part gets tricky without a external tool, mm -hmm. and that's what it looks like. You know, Zapier, Integramat, or Formstack has a direct integration. Now there's a new one, Document that that looks pretty interesting. Uh, last week we showcased our Ontair solution using Google Docs, so that's another approach um, using. Google Doc, and that's what it looks like somebody else said, you know, just put it in an email. So mm -hmm. yeah, so it's definitely lacking that that last, um, that full integration. So it does require third party to complete that cycle. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Twitter. Um, I thought this one was interesting. Somebody dreaming about Airtable. I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> I do that more often than I would like to admit, even though I just did. <laughs> yeah, so their dream was um, that you could wrap text within Airtable cells and they had to wake up and sadly they were disappointed. <laughs> so what they're talking about is, um, is Really, I think it's more of um, 
of being able to space your your rows because you can wrap cells in a long text, not in a single line text. Mm -hmm. but a long text can can wrap cells, um, but you can't variable length your the height of your rows, right? Yep. To to display longer longer ones like you can in a in a spreadsheet. So also something that comes up a lot is you can't wrap uh the field titles mm -hmm. so those those have to be displayed on a single line uh which is unfortunate i there, there's some there's some things with user interface and user experience where i could uh kind of see why you know an app is designed that way with wrapping field titles it's uh, it's harder for me to think of a reason why they couldn't <laughs> add that as a as a feature a lot of people ask for it. Yeah, yeah. So someday maybe, for now it's just a dream. <clears throat> All right, next one. This one was I thought was interesting. So Alex works at um, Airtable. He's also in our community, in our built on air Slack community. Um, knew him before he joined Airtable, but I guess Airtable uh, got some uh, Xboxes, or I don't know. I'm actually, I'm not a big gamer. So I don't know if this is just a standard controller that he thought looked like Airtable or if they actually built, you know, designed custom ones, um, from Airtable, but I thought that was kind of fun to show. Love it. Either of you in the Xbox world is a standard. Uh, and uh, no clue. I'm now <laughs> thinking of what it would be like to navigate a database using a controller. <laughs> It doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do it with voice, we look, we looked at some voice activation. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. All right. Last one. Um, I thought this was interesting. Um, so this is somebody that mostly uses Notion and made a to-do task manager in Airtable, and it's the first one that they've been able to stick with in their life thus far. Wondering if that's common. Um, I think you two would agree. <laughs> well, yes and no. There's, if I just need basic task managing stuff, I feel like the most basic task managing app you know, would suit you well, but there are just some things that are, you run into when an app is specifically designed for one use case, it just gets in the way and it's annoying because you have your own way of doing things and Airtable isn't designed for any particular use case or really any particular like industry. So there's a lot more flexibility in some ways. And then Airtable still has its own little cul-de-sacs where you have your own kind of like, but I want to do it this way and other apps let me do it that way. And so I go back and forth between what I, what I actually use Airtable for. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, sometimes I'll try and set up the tasks and then I never end up using it myself. I can never keep up with it. I always set it up. I set it up for clients all the time. And the only times that I really start to get nervous about it or like nervous that like, I'm like, is anyone actually going to use this? Like, just when you have like dependencies and milestones and all of that and trying to like track availability and compare if somebody's going to be, you know, overworked this week. It's like at that point, there's so many things that could go wrong. And if, even if somebody just like 
accidentally deletes a field somewhere or whatever. I mean, it's like, it might be worth looking at a different kind of app for that kind of robust capability. But yeah. otherwise, something simple in Airtable works out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, my dirty little secret is I still use pen and paper for my daily to-do tasks. So there's actually, I read Hacker News, which is a popular tech um, community. And there is an article this last week of somebody. Yeah, and I was surprised. A lot of people still use uh, paper and pen like myself. So it's good to hear even techies um, can rely on old school ways. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our uh, round the bases discussion of what's going on. And next, we're going to move on to a spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air. Onto Air is the all one toolkit to run your business. If your business relies on Airtable, you need to check out Onto Air and their suite of tools to help manage everything from backing up to external uh, sources to editing your data to running automations within uh, Airtable. So lots of fun tools that you can use. Um, I'm gonna show, just yesterday, we released an update to our, um, to our, oops, sorry, wrong one, there we go. Um, to our Amplify product, which is our in-app product that runs within Airtable. And it's a complete editor to interact with your data, typically on a per record basis. But we launched with a lot of new functionality and features. So if you've tried it out in the past and it wasn't the right fit, check it out again. We added a lot of things. Last week I showed our Google integrations. Today I want to just show in this, in this segment a quick um, feature that we added that is maybe my favorite feature of the new version which is the ability to go full screen on any of the columns that you create. So you can set up these, um, these widgets to, to be whatever you need them to be. And then when you need to go full screen, you can, and then you can navigate record by record on just that one cell. So it makes it easy to um, interact with the different um, widgets. And then you can even go higher full screen to take over the entire area of the app and then go back down. So um, makes it very useful. I know in the past, if you've used our Amplify product, it was kind of tight with trying to navigate through the different columns. So with this full screen feature, makes it very, very useful to, to navigate and, and drill in on, on a specific field or, or um, column that you're working on and expose more space to, to do that. So. Check out Ontario Amplify in the marketplace and see how it can help benefit your workflows and your team interaction with, with Airtable. Lots of uh, amazing functionality in there. Next, we're gonna move on to the next segment of audience questions. We're gonna have Camille walk through a scenario. She's gonna answer our questions for us. Uh, so yep. this is a question that came up very recently on the Airtable community forums, which was um, relating to automations. Uh, there is a automation uh, trigger for setting uh, automations to run at a scheduled time every hour, every day. 
Um, and then there's when record matches conditions where you could say when a particular date is today, run that um, automation. But someone wanted to know how do you tell an automation to run at a specific time? And that's actually a little bit more tricky than it would seem. Um, just looking at uh, the interface that you have for an automation, when you have these different um, filter components, I don't know what you would call these, but um, you can't say is and then exact date at a particular time. It's just at the date level. So in this person's use case, they wanted to make sure that they send it at or around 7.55 a.m. on a particular day. And the solution to that um, is usually just to add a formula field. And what the formula field will do is to check um, if now is uh, before, before, after, if now is after the date field in question. So uh, something to keep in mind as well, um, it's you know best practice to set the time zone for date fields when uh, time precision is key because you wanna make sure that you're comparing Los Angeles time to Los Angeles time and not Los Angeles to New York or some other even greater distance in time zones. Uh, and so looking at this formula that I came up with, it's pretty simple when you break it down. Um, it's essentially asking in Pacific Standard Time, what is, uh, never mind. In Pacific Standard Time, is uh, this date field send date, has that already happened? If it has, put this check mark. And what the automation now is looking for is if there's a check mark in this field, then run the automation. If there's no check mark in the field, don't run it because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, something that came up as well within this question. Um, I'm using the date type, date time format uh, formula function to just as quick as possible get the date in ISO format. Um, and that's what this X means. Um, it came up that uh, when they were following through my instructions, they uh, kind of misinterpreted that X as like insert something here and then put in the exact date. That's not actually what you want to do. X is a uh, just a shorthand for Airtable that they use. There's a bunch of different date time formats that uh, come pre uh, understood by Airtable. So X is one that gives you the full date and the time, which is why I used it. Otherwise, I could have typed out yyy dash mm dash dd dash hh colon mm. I didn't want to do that. So X. Yeah. Uh, and that's essentially the, the nuts and bolts of this question, just walking through. And then something that came up at the end, um, because now refreshes at different rates, depending on whether or not the base is open. So remember, this is an automation. You don't want to have the, the base open or you don't want it to rely on the base being open to run. Mm -hmm. And it won't necessarily It'll still run when it's not uh, open, but something to keep in mind is the now function in Airtable refreshes every five minutes when the base is open and every hour when it's not. So if you're trying to get um, automations to send down, uh, send out down to the minute, you might also want to add the date add function to that formula that we had earlier that just subtracts an hour. So 
it's looking an hour ahead. And then just to give you that wiggle room for in an hour from now, now we'll probably update and then it'll send it your actual intended time. So this one was a little bit tricky. It's all still possible and you only need one extra field, but it is something to keep in mind when working with sending automations at a given time for a particular record. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, dealing with those automation delays is tricky. Yeah, there there is a uh, support article for um, that Airtable has that kind of goes over it, and that's where it, it breaks down. I don't think I'm sharing that uh, tab, actually. Uh, but there is um, a support article that does talk about uh the delay in now so i linked it to that same uh uh community post that i was just on and it does break out that now updates every now and again and you have to, you have to keep that in mind so yeah try not to do anything that needs to be super precise yeah if it has to be down to the minute then you would likely be better off using zapier integramat or probably Parabola, but uh, if it's something that can be within a time range, like sometime in the morning or, you know, around the time of 9 a.m. or something like that, where it could be a little fuzzy and when exactly you send out the automation, then it's something to consider. But again, if you really need the precision, you might be better off with uh, Integromat. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Camille. Dates are always... <laughs> Lots of fun to work with. So, all right, moving on to our next segment, we're going to do a scripting time. This is a chance to dig in deep. If you're learning scripting, we're going to help you get comfortable in the scripting environment and, and really um, up your, your scripting game to really take advantage of the, the true potential of um, Airtable and its programming environment. So I'm going to do that um, inside of a project tracking system go over to this one and um airtable also has if you ever go into the marketplace they have a scripting tab and they actually have a few scripts in here um, that can be helpful to either use in your in your environment or just to learn you know how to how to write scripts so I'm going to pull, I pulled in one of these scripts from Airtable and we're going to dissect it and look at um, how it's built and, and what's going on here. So we're using the randomized values uh, script and that does, that'll essentially allow you to um, insert random values into, into different cells. And so you can pick a cell and it will randomize values and put into um, those cell values. And so what we have here is we have a dollar amount and we're gonna randomly put numbers into, into these cells running this, this script here. So on the wrong one, let's move over. <clears throat> okay, so randomize values. Let's look at this script and see what's going on. Okay, so the first thing that we see is this input config. 
that is a um, standard way to get data into your script. And what that does is it generates, it generates a, um, if I finish editing, it generates a menu system that allows you to input data into your um, environment. Here we go. Actually, this is still not it. There we go. Okay, and it and it allows you to to put um, to select. You can you can select tables, you can select records, or you can input um, text. And this data will then be available to your script. So instead of having to hard code this into your script, you can make it dynamic so that it can be specific to the 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 base that you're working on. And so you'll see here you'll define what your input fields are. So this is a config.table, so this will select a table, this will select a field, and you specify what the parent table is. So this variable here needs to match this name here so that it knows to um, pull from that table. And, and then it, you can give it a label. So there's only two input fields, a table and a field that you're gonna randomize. And then this syntax here is a way to extract, oops, to extract uh, information out of this settings. So settings is an object that has two, two key fields, a table and a field, and those values will be used throughout your script. So this output.text will um, print out text to the, to the display that allows you to do that. So you see here this randomizing, um, this is a way to insert the value from the field that was selected in the config, the name of the field, and then this is the, the name of the table. So if you look at the output over here, um, let's see here, once it runs, it will, it will show up there. Um, if we run it, there we go. So randomizing amount field in design project. So that's the table name, that's the field name. And then it's gonna ask some questions depending on the type of field that it is. So we selected a currency field. <clears throat> so that's the, um, let's see, number, I wonder if currency, oh, there it is, very first one. Okay, so if the, um, if the field type is of type currency, then it's gonna run this. So this is a switch statement that essentially, if you're familiar with if else statements, it's essentially a different way to do if else. So it essentially says if field type equals currency, then run this case. If it equals date, then run this case. And then this break means to stop. That means you're done processing. And so this is gonna get executed if the field type equals currency. So it's asking for, um, for input from the user on the, the minimum and the maximum for the values that are gonna be randomized in there. And so it sets our bounds and then it uses those bounds. So all of this would be dependent on, you know, whichever field gets selected. And then you see here, then it will run, it'll output our text um, to run again and it looks like it calls a function. Let's go back up. 
um, update field. So if we click on this, if you're working within um, the Airtable environment, you can actually jump to fields. If you're on Windows, it's the control, hold down control, and, and you click on it, and then it will automatically jump you to that function. And the one thing to, to note about this function is that it starts with async. So anytime you're dealing with um, functions, Airtable always names their functions. They'll end with async. That means that it it kind of, um, it, it basically means it's kind of happening in the background and a wait allows you to wait for it to finish before it moves on. And so anytime you're using any of these functions, the, if, you're, if it's inside of a function, that function needs to have the async um, keyword on it. And then anytime you call that function, you need to um, use await in front of it. So await and async always need to um, be together when you're using them. And so this basically update fields, it goes through all the records. So it's selecting. So this is how you select all the records from the, the table that you configured and it will pull them in and it's only gonna grab the one field because that's the only field that it needs. And um, then it's going to output the, the, the ID of the record. Now we're gonna change this because I don't like how it just gives you the record ID. That doesn't mean a whole lot to the user. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it the um, record name. And why don't we actually um, give it the, the field name. Um, so this will retrieve the value of the, the field that, that we're updating. So it'll give the name and the value. And um, only if it's empty, so it looks like, so this if statement says, if this record is empty, so this, this um, exclamation point means not. So if there is not a value in this record, then it will go into this if statement and it will, it will update and add to this array, um, this field that needs to be updated. And then this FN is a function call that gets passed in. And this is, this is what will randomly pick a number between the bounds that we set. And then it will output the, um, the JSON version. So kind of a string text version of, of that object um, will get printed out to the, to the output. And then, so again, these, these all got added to the updates array. And then the update will go one at a time to um, update them back into the table. So this table.update records async is how you um, perform an update. And you see here they're doing 50 at a time because 50 is the maximum that you can do um, at a time. And so they're essentially batching these into groups of 50. So this, this right here is a useful piece of code that you'll want to incorporate because if you do them one at a time, it actually is a lot slower because it does take time to update each record and you'll notice the difference of how much longer it would take trying to do one at a time versus versus 50. And again, you see, because this function uses async, it has to have the await in front of it 
to really um, capitalize to, to make it work successfully. So let's run this. And so now we're running this and it says, what's the lowest value? And you can put anything in there. You hit next. And so you can see how you can actually create a UI that asks questions one at a time, kind of a, a form that you can fill out. Um, so we'll go from one to a hundred and then we're going to say yes and run it. And you see here um, it's printing and it's the ID because we were already running before I made those changes. So let's run this again and see what happens now because we made changes to our output text. So if we'll put in the same numbers and run this again. Now you see uh, we get the name of the record, which is much more meaningful instead of the record ID. And it gives us what the value was in there. And so you'll notice, um, you'll notice that um, it doesn't, it didn't create, we didn't see that JSON because there was already values in there. So if we were to delete all of our values and run it again, let's see what happens. We should get all of them. Uh, we should see a lot more data because it's printing out. So there you see the, the JSON. And then this null means that there was no value there, which then means uh, this will be true so that it goes into our update and performs the, the update process. So now if we look, it's randomized values completely. And so it's a great way if you need to fill in records with random values, um, you can use this, this script from the Airtable marketplace to perform that. So check out all the other marketplace um, scripts. If you're a script developer, you can also submit your own script to their marketplace. So there are some third-party um, developers that, that are in that marketplace and I'm sure they'd love to, to have more if you wanna share any scripts you've written. So great for um, scripting time. Next, we'll do a quick spotlight. And you may notice uh, Camille and, uh, and Ali have been busy working on, they're getting ready for our final episode, uh, final segment of the show that we'll get to in a second. So before we get to that, a final plug for On To Air, the spotlight will again be on our new Amplify product. And one of the things that just got added in the new Amplify version that just came out is new editors. Um, last week we talked about um, the Google Doc editors. Today I want to talk about the three other editors that we've added. So we've added a markdown editor that is similar if you've used the rich text field in Airtable, that is markdown. So that's similar to this editor. You can, you can use that to update a rich text field in a more um, editor-like environment. Or if you want a more full-blown editor, that would be the HTML editor. You can write full documents and use it as a document management system to have all of your documents stored in a long text field. And then the final one is a JSON editor. This one's a little bit more developer-centric. Uh, if you're familiar with JSON, this is an editor to, to interact with it in a more useful environment. So. Um, so you see here, we have our three editors. Here's our Markdown editor. So you can be typing in Markdown and then see how it's rendered 
on the right and you can and you can um, use either the the full display mode of just how it's rendered or just the editor mode or the split mode will show you both side by side so and it's also got useful um, tools to help um, add your your markdown as needed and so it'll automatically insert your markdown and then you'll see it instantly show up on the display side so markdown editor very useful for using markdown here's our json editor this is useful as well let me go full screen and it makes it easy to interact in a more ui visual um, environment you can add append uh, change the type so you can do everything ui driven if you like to just interact with the json code directly you can switch modes they also have other modes here form is one that i'm finding very useful it essentially allows you to only update the value field so you can define um, entries and what the, the what the schema looks like for the json and not allow them to modify the schema but allow them to change the the values I actually use this feature with our built-on air podcast. Um, or if you just want to view the data and essentially make it read-only, you can go to that view as well. So really powerful. Also, the searching functionality within your JSON data can be can be useful. And then finally, the HTML editor, which is a full-blown um, editor for any documents. You can, um, this is kind of your standard editor. You can do all sorts of formatting. Um, you can you can also view the code if you want to get into HTML raw and do any HTML directly within there. Um, you can insert image URLs, anything like that. Um, links, tables, you can add tables. So much more advanced than the markdown editor of what you can um, build and essentially use this as your document management platform. And everything's configurable. You can configure what fields you need visible within here. So very powerful tool set for making Airtable a document management system and using it with your with your content um, in any way you can imagine. So that is Ontario Amplify. Check it out again in the marketplace and um, feel free to reach out with any questions on that. All right, our final segment is we're running a little bit late, but we're gonna get to uh, Air Chefs. So this is our funnest segment where Ali and Camille have been working uh, last few minutes on a base that they just got today. So we're gonna check out what they're doing. Uh, either of you ready to go first? Uh, <laughs> I can go if you want. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hand it off to Ali. And why don't you talk through what, what this base is as well? All right, so this is from the legend W. Van Hall. Um, he definitely, like I use a lot of these tricks because he was so generous to share them on the Airtable community. So this is a really kind of an awesome base. Very, can be, can be very difficult to wrap your head around. Um, but essentially he's got this dashboard calc table is probably the most important piece to be looking at when you're looking at this base. And he's got all this, like the trick that I use for every single base. He has all the records on the interactions table and opportunities table, all linked to this one record here. 
And I do the same thing. I'll use an emoji as the name just because if you see it elsewhere, it's just, I don't know, it just feels fun. <laughs> um, so everything's linked here. So he's able to do these like really complicated roll-ups. So this is a roll-up field, for example, of all of the different statuses that opportunities are currently in, I believe, of opportunities, yes. And so because he also has all of his records on his dashboard table linked to the same record, he's able to reference this string in calculations on this table and do some really, really cool stuff. So this is, for example, what he's using. He's counting how many times the qualification status appears, the, uh, I believe it's QU somewhere. I haven't inspected all of these formulas yet, but essentially is using the repeat function to say, okay, give me a graph based on how many times you find the status in this big long roll-up that's elsewhere down here somewhere, like right here. So super complicated, but, and it's kind of difficult to improve upon, except for the fact that there's a lot of like, like this was built before um, you could do conditional roll-ups within uh, the linked record, within a roll-up field or lookup field. So we've got a couple fields that are now extra elsewhere. But I chose to focus rather on uh, something more fun because I've been obsessed with dashboards recently. <laughs> so I created a field here with just like an input for a URL. And then I have a button field that's referencing that with a formula. So I can open up different dashboards um, depending on what this record is trying to look at. So while I'm looking at my dashboard here, I can get uh, click this button to open up my apps sidebar full screen and get more detailed information on exactly what data is going into those calculations. So I've just got a couple of those set up. And you built those dashboards or those were already there? I just built them. Nice. This is a fun trick I've been doing. A lot of people that are into charts and like really fancy data stuff would probably get mad at this because the color means literally nothing. It's just fun. <laughs> I have it uh, stacked and grouped by the same field so that it's not, and then I'm not showing the legend because it's superfluous, but just makes it uh, more colorful. Awesome. Yeah, that interaction between the buttons and jumping to dashboards is very cool. We're very into it recently. Yeah, yeah, we gave you guys a, a tough one to to work with. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> this base is insane. Yeah, and I expect no less from the legend himself. Uh, I don't know if my scene is, yeah. screen is being shared. Yep. It is okay. So uh, I just. I didn't do this. I just want to point out how insane this base is. It makes use of Kanban views only showing uh, fields that have values in it. So I it I didn't even it didn't occur to me right away. But just looking at this one Kanban view, you can see each of these different things that the dashboard is grouping values by is only showing the relevant information for wins or for contacts, and that's accomplished by having a series of if statements that are basically like, you know, if it's contacts, then show a value for that field. If not, you'll have a bunch of blank fields and that's how that's accomplished. 
but I didn't do that part. What I did do is, um, as Ali points out, all of these different records across these different bases are linked to this one record in dashboard calc in order to get all the information in one place so you can parse it back out um, into dashboard. And so what I did was build a very, very simple automation. You would need to have multiple automations, once for each table, uh, but just demonstrating with this one. Um, what I've done was have an automation run for when this dashboard calc, which is the field linking to that one record uh, table, when that is empty, then fill it back in with that one record. So you you have no choice but to have things linked together. So I haven't actually tested it. Let's see if it works. If I get rid of a value, which would screw up all of my dashboards, will it be added back? And it does. Nice. So you you have no choice but to succeed. Again, you'd have to make the same automation for dashboard and then for opportunities and then for interactions, maybe for accounts. I haven't looked, but that's, you know, five or so different automations. Uh, it's not that, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, or you could have this all done in one automation if you have it at a scheduled time and then just do find records and then include a script. But if you don't want to use a script, just use a couple of automations to force your dashboard to take everything into account. Yeah. Yeah. And this was built pre-automations and yes. pre-scripting. So if you really want to dive deep into this, this one's actually been downloaded probably one of the most. It's almost 5,000 downloads. Yeah, it's it's pr it's pretty, <laughs> it does a lot. Uh, it, it's pretty great. Uh, it, be very difficult to, for you to set this up yourself from scratch just because it's a lot to wrap your head around uh this one field alone if just looking at it doesn't seem like it has any meaningful value to it but it does mm -hmm. um you know it's that's what's controlling all of these different fields uh, which is basically asking you know take substitute out all of the month equal to zero one and then divide that number by two. And that gives you how many times January appears in this very long string. So there's a there's a method to all the madness. It's just a lot of madness. Yeah. Very good. W Van Hall, if you're out there listening, reach out. We'd love to have you on to talk more about this. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. And you can see in just a short amount of time, you can take a base and, and make it better if you know what you're doing as Ali and Camille know what they're doing. So we're glad to have them as, as air chefs on our show. And that concludes today's uh, segment episode. We're glad you could join us. Join us again next time. And until then, good luck with all your Airtable builds. And we'd love to see what you build on air. Goodbye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>